Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Weight cutting is a part of MMA, right? Somehow we've gone to the point where if you're not sweating out your bodily fluids to make weight, then you're probably at a massive disadvantage against those that are. And there's been plenty of fighters who've changed weight class in their career. Some have gone up because the weight cut was too difficult. Some have come down and enjoyed now being bigger in another weight class. Even recently, we've seen the former 125 champ Davison Figueiredo go up to bantamweight and look pretty damn good. Sometimes, though, it's taken a while for fighters to find what seems to be the right weight class for them. And today, we're going to look at those guys. I'm Bailey in from on point shout out to all you hall of famers appreciate you thank you for all the support guys and these are 10 fighters who should have changed weight class sooner quick disclaimer okay guys before we get started i want to just eliminate a few people who you might think would make it on this list we're not talking about guys who did better at a weight class but fighters who could have switched sooner someone like jorge masvidal switched to welterweight and completely restarted his career but when you look at his record he actually has more losses at welterweight than at lightweight and he beat some great competition at that weight as well it's kind of hard to say he should have switched sooner robbie lawler right he went back to welterweight after strike force and won a ufc title but to be honest it kind of feels like that was his last chance in the ufc he hadn't enjoyed his time in strike force and yeah he was fighting at middleweight but it was the motivation to be back in the ufc that led him to change the weight class that wasn't going to happen until he got back in the promotion hopefully you understand what we're going for with this one but let's get the video started number 10 jared cannonier among the eclectic collection of UFC middleweight personalities is a former heavyweight who has undergone one of the most dramatic body transformations in UFC history. After finishing his first tour of duty, Jared left the US Army and went to work for the Federal Aviation Administration in Alaska, a place I actually know very little about other than seeing all those vampires take over in 30 days a night. Still, there is a pretty decent MMA scene up in Anchorage and Cannoneer started fighting in AFC. At the time, he weighed in excess of 230 pounds and honestly, I can't blame him. You know, it's bloody cold up there. He won the belt and got an invite to the UFC and made his debut a healthy 235 pounds against Sean Jordan. But that was the end of Jared's undefeated streak. He was dropped and finished by the bigger man. Nervous event. Absolutely. Oh, he got rocked right on oh. you. Jared had one more fight at heavyweight before deciding to drop at 205. But even there, he didn't have much success either. You know, 5'11 isn't super tall, and he was getting outmuscled by guys like Glover Teixeira, Jan Blachowicz, and Dominic Reyes. He had just three wins and four losses when he decided to drop down another weight class to middleweight. And he soon realized he probably should have been competing there all along. A middleweight is only a light heavyweight who's very disciplined. You know, they just cut more weight. He carried a ton of power down from heavyweight, but now was the same size as everyone else. And even in the last five years, he's only lost twice at middleweight and has managed to get seven wins and a title shot number nine dan hooker most of you might not know that Dan has competed in several weight classes during his combat sports career. He started MMA in 2009 and for the first five years or so had a bit of an up and down career, but it included fighting as high as heavyweight. What? What the fuck? He even won the King of the Ring middleweight championship in kickboxing just a few years later. 
Doubling up on the jab, and there's a body shot. Oh, and Sami's been dropped! A liver shot has paralyzed the electric eel! In 2014, he was signed by the UFC to join a fight night card in New Zealand, and he started in the promotion as a featherweight. Dan had six fights in the next two years and went just 3-3 three and three at 145, dropping decisions to Maximo Blanco, Yaya Rodriguez, and Jason Knight. Dan was competitive, but he also was getting dropped on occasion and didn't really have the same kind of speed as some of the other featherweights. I'm sure also that the weight cut was an absolute nightmare for a guy six foot tall, so after his loss to Jason Knight, Hooker moved up to lightweight. I saw a quote the other day and it says, I never make the same mistake twice. You know, I make it five or six times just to be sure, and after the sixth time, I was sure. It was was a fantastic decision and he immediately won seven of his next eight fights his only loss coming in that absolutely mental show of toughness against edson barbosa that all got down inside the top 10 at 155 where he's still competing against the best and even a recent return to featherweight against arnold allen showed lightweight is definitely the best place for him Number 8. Gilbert Burns Although he might seem a little short for a welterweight, it's pretty hard to deny that Gilbert Burns hasn't had a ton of success in the welterweight division. But he didn't start in the UFC at 170. Gilbert was made famous in the combat sports world where he won gold twice as a black belt at the Jiu-Jitsu World Championships. He's also won medals elsewhere, but the thing is, they were all pretty much around the £170 mark. Now, weight cutting isn't really much of a thing in Jiu-Jitsu, but Gilbert was essentially having no trouble being a world champion at welterweight. Fast forward about two years and Gil makes his UFC debut as a welterweight. He wins and immediately switches to lightweight and picks up two more victories, making him 10-0, a real UFC prospect. But that's when things start to go downhill for Gilbert. Across the next three years, he'd go 5-3 and three as a lightweight, dropping decision losses to Rashid Magomedov, Michelle Prezeres, and he looked just a little drained and was eventually KO'd by Dan Hooker, his first stoppage loss in his career. Looking for He'll be looking for Burns decided to make the switch back to welterweight where he started running through the division. He won four straight with two performance of the Knights and he got a title shot up against Usman. In total, he's picked up seven wins at welterweight and has stayed at the top of the division, only dropping losses to the best in the world, something he couldn't achieve at lightweight. Number seven, Kelvin Gastelum. If you've been a fan of the sport for a while, you probably know that Kelvin Gastelum has had some trouble in the past with his weight. He was the last guy picked for the teams on Tough, but he won the season as a middleweight. At 5'9", it's no secret that's pretty small for 85, but can we really say he was actually better off at welterweight? Just hear me out here. After the Tough win, he immediately switched to welterweight. At first, he got four wins in a row, but they weren't exactly against top competition. I mean, the biggest name he beat was Jake Ellenberger. He was on a two-fight losing streak at the time. Still a pretty good name. Kelvin also missed weight for the first fight right before that and when he was given a top five waterweight in tyron woodley he missed weight again calvin misses by 10 pounds and it showed in his performance this time gaslam had to go up to middleweight after this and guess what he won by tko but then it was back to welterweight against neil magny and he lost he bounced back up against johnny hendrix but kelvin also missed weight in that one then he pulled out of his fight against Donald Cerrone because of another weight issue, and Dana pretty much forced him to go up to middleweight. You know, everything was going according to plan to how I've had my last weight cuts. You know, this time my body just decided to pull a quick one on me and said, nope, not this time. But Gaslam actually started to perform really well. He TKO'd Tim Kennedy, who had long been an elite at 185, and then he knocked out Vitor Belfort, a former UFC champion. Eventually, he did so well, he found himself in an interim title fight against Israel Adesanya, and he gave the champ the toughest fight of his career up to that point. I know a lot of people like Joe Rogan have said he should have figured out the weight situation and gone back to welterweight, but well, he just did that recently against Sean Brady and it didn't really help at all. In fact, it was one of his worst performances. Granted, Gastelum is perhaps getting a bit long in the tooth, but side by side, he outperformed himself at welterweight and you know, he missed weight four times there as well. Number six, Michael Bisping. 
The Count is another guy who won the Ultimate Fighter at a different weight class to where he ended up competing in the UFC, but unlike Kelvin, Mike didn't switch right away, and it probably wasn't the best idea. Initially, Bisping started his career as a light heavyweight, he was a big guy who ate pasties and sausage rolls, and after winning the Ultimate Fighter, he stayed that way for his first few UFC fights. He blasted Eric Schaefer and had to fight the night with Elvis Sinosik, which was more competitive than perhaps it should have been with an undefeated guy like Mike. Then he went up against Matt Hamill, and it was pretty clear Mike was not as strong as the American wrestler. He was taken down six times and controlled by the bigger man, but still got the nod, although quite controversially from the judges. However, his next fight against Rashad Evans, a guy who'd won tough at heavyweight, showed again that perhaps 205 probably wasn't the best weight class for Mike. He was taken down six times and controlled again for most of the fight. After that, Mike switched to middleweight, and although he knew nothing about weight cutting at first and started out dieting and starving himself down to 185, he eventually found his stride and managed to win a world title. Something he probably would never have achieved if he stayed at the light heavyweight division. Number 5. Chael Sonnen the bad guy started his MMA career as a light heavyweight and even won a regional tournament early on, but eventually ran into bigger guys who he had trouble controlling, like Forrest Griffin in the IFC. In 2005, Chael got his first invitation to fight in the UFC, and it was at light heavyweight. A lot of people talk to me about giving up some size to Babalu. You know, I push people Babalu size out of the way looking for somebody to fight. He took on Hinata Sabrol and found himself in a triangle choke, and just a few months later, the same thing happened against Jeremy Horn. By the time he returned to the UFC three years later, though, he'd transitioned to middleweight, where his wrestling game just seemed to be more effective, and it was probably the division he should have been in all along. After an initial loss to Damien Ma, Chell went on a three-fight win streak and got a shot at the title and nearly dethroned the long-reigning champion Anderson Silva. After that, he beat two other top middleweights to earn a rematch, and he was definitely one of the best middleweights in the UFC. He then went back up to light heavyweight after that, though, and it didn't really go well. He was often outsized in that weight class, and at middleweight, his wrestling was just way more effective. We'll uh, just skip past the heavyweight part at the end of his career. Number four, John Lineker. Roberto Duran was the original Hands of Stone. The boxer won 72 fights in 12 years and lost just once, so it's not likely that people let the nickname just go to anyone else. But in MMA, the Brazilian John Lineker took up the mantle and absolutely nobody complained. John debuted in the UFC at flyweight, but immediately missed weight, coming in at 127. He still won fight of the night against Luis Galdano, but he was also finished by a guillotine. He then had seven more UFC fights as a flyweight and only lost one of them, but he missed weight in three of them, and it kind of showed against Ali Bagutinov, who perhaps just didn't have the speed to compete with some of the best of the division. It was clear he'd been sacrificing his body as well, and in some cases, his performances to make the weight. I wasn't managing to stay at that weight and fight at that weight, so, you know, I just I, I, I wasn't going to insist on it and it wasn't my choice anyway he moved up to bantamweight and hands of stone ran through four opponents picking up two bonuses and got his biggest fight in the ufc that was a title eliminator against tj dillashaw now he showed some holes in his takedown defense in that one but also that he is basically impossible to knock out champion good <laughs> John's only other loss at Bantamweight came in an extremely close split decision to Corey Sandhagen. After that, he headed to one, where he started competing at 145 pounds under their hydration testing system, and he became the champion over there, proving, once again, he really was better off not cutting weight all along. Number three, Sean Strickland. At one point in time, the future UFC middleweight champion was a fantastic prospect. Outside of the UFC, he went 13-0 as a pro before he got the call, and he did it almost entirely at middleweight. He even won and defended the King of the Cage 185 title four times. He took a short notice fight to get into the UFC and immediately won his first two fights at middleweight, and one of them was against the Englishman Luke Barnett, who's about six foot three, so Sean decided that he should probably go down to welterweight. 
But at 170, he immediately lost to Santiago Ponzinibbio. He carried a lot more muscle than Sean at the weight class and was able to physically outpower him as well as match his speed. That was the end of Sean's undefeated streak, and he would go on to lose twice more in the UFC at welterweight, eventually going 5-3 and three in the division, which is pretty good, but not the kind of consistency that would get you to a UFC title. After his motorcycle crash, Sean took some time away from the sport and was miraculously able to make a return, but this time at middleweight. He put on some muscle mass and looked a lot stronger than he had done at 170. In life, sometimes you think the more you sacrifice and the more you suffer, you know, you'll you'll get back. It's not really true, man. Like you don't you don't gotta kill yourself to be successful. Sean then went on a five-fight win streak in the weight class where he was able to physically push around guys like Uriah Hall and Christoph Jocko. Since coming back to 185, he's 1-8 and lost only twice. Coincidentally, only to guys of four above 185, and it's arguable he probably should have just stayed there in the first place. Number two, Charles Oliveira. Du Bronx is a guy who's jumped around a bunch of different weight classes across his 15-year career. He actually started as a welterweight in Brazil before switching to lightweight, and he went 12-0 on the regional scene before getting invited to the UFC, where he won his first two fights by submission as a lightweight. But then he lost to two of the division's top guys in Jim Miller and Donald Cerrone, which was due to probably more of an experience different than a weight issue, really, but he still decided to switch to featherweight. As a 145er, Charles definitely did all right in the weight class and continued to sub a bunch of guys, but after five years, he was 7-5 as a UFC featherweight and had also missed weight four times and showed he was compromising himself to make the weight class. He looked drained, was getting knocked around when tagged on the chin. Oh, over good the right top. over the top. Oh, and he's hurt. Yeah, he's done. And, is- and didn't really have anywhere near the same power or snap in his punches. After losing two in a row to Anthony Pettis and then Ricardo Lamas, where Charles missed weight by nine pounds, yeah, he literally weighed in at 155 for that one and still lost, Dubronx decided to go back up to lightweight and it was probably one of the best decisions in his career. He beat the Bellator champion Will Brooks, then dropped that loss to Paul Felder, but after that, he went on an 11-fight win streak that saw him lay waste to the entire division and win the world title. His only weight miss was against Justin on some dodgy scales, and all of the other parts of his life came together to make him the best 155er in the world. Number 1. Anthony Johnson Well, I think pretty much unanimously, the late great Rumble Johnson made it to the top of our hardest hitters list at light heavyweight, and for good reason. Do we do we need to play one of these replays again? Right away. Interesting. Oh, my! Just like that! Good Lord. But he didn't start off his career that way. After becoming a junior college national wrestling champion at 184 pounds, and no doubt laying out a couple of people as a bouncer before he turned to mixed martial arts, just three wins into his one-year career, he got the call to the UFC, where he debuted on short notice at welterweight and in 13 seconds flatlined Chad Reiner. In his next fight, however, he missed weight by six pounds and was then submitted in the second round, something that unfortunately became a bit of a habit for Rumble as a welterweight. Yeah, he still knocked plenty of people out quite viciously, but every time he stepped on the scale, it looked so painful. And although he was an absolute killer at 170, he still got subbed by some of the guys in the division. It was a switch to middleweight and then missing weight by 11 pounds that led to the UFC actually letting him go. And when he went to Titan FC after that again at middleweight, he once again couldn't make 185. So he made the best decision of his career and moved up to light heavyweight. Over the next five years, he won 11 fights, including one win at heavyweight over Andrei Olovsky, and there was only one man who could stand up to him, and that was Daniel Cormier. 
as a light heavyweight, Rumble had even more power, was way harder to take down, and wasn't dealing with the speed of the welterweights, and he became one of the best KO artists of all time. Okay, all this video is based on, you know, evidence and speculation on our part, the fan base, alright? If you want to really know why these guys didn't change weight class sooner, you should probably go and ask them. But we looked at the evidence today, and I think in this case, that is enough. That should be enough. Thank you, Mr. George Hutchinson, for editing this video. Good on you, George, mate. Nice one, sunshine. You know what I fucking mean? I'm sorry, guys. He is from Essex, but you can follow him on uh, the, the medias. You can check him out at G Hutchinson MMA if you want to show him some support. Keep an eye on what else he's up to and just say a big fat thank you. MMA on point, channel champions from the bottom of my heart. Thank you very much for supporting us over here and the content. There they are. If you want to join them at any level, you can become an MMA on point member and get some cool benefits. The link is in the description. Click the button down below. Find out more. Thank you once again, channel champions. I thought this was a pretty good video. If you ask me, it was about food, weight cutting, not getting too fat. Like I said, there's a bit of speculation involved in this one, but we tried to get as much research as possible, you know, and I think some of these fighters probably could have changed weight class. Go ask him yourself if you don't know. Leave a comment down below what you think. Like and subscribe if you want to see more from us. You don't have to, but you'll regret it. Maybe. I'll make you regret it.